Otis Brown III, thank you very much oh, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Now, um, your album kind of came to me last year from Blue Note. Um, of course, Blue Note's been doing such a terrific job. Mm-hmm. It was their, what, 75th anniversary 75th, last year? Yeah, last year. As well, so it was a beautiful part of that whole story unfolding and the fact that Don Was has just put so much energy and really reasserted a new energy into he the has. whole label, right? He really has, yeah. But what were you doing as a drummer? Right. Where have you got to where you are now? What, well, first yeah. of all, I came to New York. I'm from Jersey, but I went to school somewhere else. Came to New York at the new school and I got there at a time where it was like the right place at the right time you know we my the new school as opposed to Berkeley exactly in New York Berkeley's in Boston you know yeah. it was just a different thing the new school's right in the village and it has a different kind of energy why would it be different to Berkeley New York yeah yeah it's just you know there's no you're, you're a block like three minute walk from the Vanguard or Smalls or all the clubs in New York City you know and get to see all your heroes play all the time and you know and that film with Bash, which I know no, no, no musician likes that film I appreciate Whiplash. that You're gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. But is that based on new school is that I like, don't know I think it's more based on Juilliard than okay. new school yeah okay. the new school's a little more organic than that kind of conservatory you know um, but when my incoming class there it was like me Robert Glasper Bilal um, Marcus and EJ Strickland um Casey Benjamin was a year ahead of us from the experiment. There was just so many people that are like names in music now that we came in in that class together and we played ensembles together. We jam sessions, $20 gigs together. You Who know. taught you? Uh, Keon was there and John Ellis, the two horn players on my album, were there. Um, Buster Williams was one of our ensemble teachers. Wow. And then one of the things about at the new Reggie Workman. Um, one of the great things about the new school is that it has a composer-based ensemble. A lot of schools do now, but not a lot of places can you take a Coltrane ensemble with Reggie Workman, who played with, you know what I mean? Or like a, it's the same thing with Buster Williams. So we were focused on these composers and play our own stuff. And Bilal was starting to get big at the time. You know, he had done a demo with Aaron Comas from the Spin Doctors that kind of led to that firstborn second record that he did. Um, so it was just a really fertile musical environment and in that i met joe at a jazz camp at like 99 and um he said he was like man when we get back to new york we should work together and you know i'm some little college kid like joe levano's already a hero and um and i started playing with him in 2000 and it, must be quite, of, it must be quite interesting as well with Bilal as well because in a way he would have been a reluctant soul star because mm-hmm. he was coming from the jazz thing right, but he, he became a, jazz, a soul guy a really. soul guy yeah i don't think he likes it as, but you know because he's he has so much music in his head yeah, and you yeah. know do you hear the music he's doing now so removed from soul sister or whatever mm-hmm. um and then in our ensembles I, people don't really know the depths of Bilal as a singer you know because he would be in our ensembles and, and if you ever hear him scat or sing over you know my funny valentine or in a sentimental mood it's one of the most amazing things you can hear like i want him to do a jazz record but i know he won't but and when i kicked myself because on the thought of you i was like man nobody has Bilal scatting on an album and i, I kicked myself because i didn't get him to take a solo on that track you know um, but we've done it live a lot and I have some video um, Bilal's incredible like, I love the way he comes in late on that song right, right. You, 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 <laughs> he does. You, you make me wait <laughs> and then live it turns into a whole different thing too right. when he's you know I've, I've had him guest with the band sometimes it's, he, he's amazing
clears my mind Every time So sublime New York still a hotbed of activity. Or? I feel it's a little different, you right. know. Like the schools are different. Yeah, this generation is a little different than our than ours. I, you know, I feel like we got in at a good time. I mean, there's still a, a lot of stuff going on. It feels like a great time right now. There was a little lull. Yeah. And right where would now, the club be? Where would you go if you were like 21 and you wanted to jam and pl- meet some great musicians? I still go to Smalls. Like, like yeah, Smalls is kind of the place for that now. And it's you know, Smalls. The lull that happened was like Smalls had kind of closed. And, you know, somebody took it over and then it came back. And with that, the scene kind of came back. You know, it's a place for people to play new music. And I mean, what's a great, there was a load of great drummers. Right. Is that a competition? Right. Is it a competition? Not How really. do you see it? No, no. We, we're all like brothers and sisters in that, in that. There's a lot of, everybody goes to check everybody out. We're all, we all hang out a lot. All the drummers, you know, because I feel like the New York drummer is a, is a special breed in a way, you know. So whatever you, wherever you go, like I've played places, and you know, people will come up to me like, "You came up in New York, huh?" Like, there's just a certain energy you have in your drumming. So, have you played with Robert Gillespie as you toured? I have, with, yeah, you toured yeah. With him? I've not, no, not tours really. I just did a little run of trio stuff with him for you know the new record, and um, yeah, we he we do a lot of stuff together. We're not really tours. I have you know, I've never played with the experiment, but um, I do some trio stuff with him a lot. Mm. 
Yeah, he's one of my he's one of my best friends, good friend of mine. And, and so Bruno, um, what about Thundercats' brother? What's his um, uh, Ronald? Ronald. Ronald Bruno. Is he is he is he in LA? Is he's he... in LA. Okay. Yeah, amazing drummer, though. Yeah. really incredible drummer. But he's in LA. I mean, there's a need for drummers, right? I mean, in a sense, I feel like there's room for everybody. Yeah, because yeah, everybody, if you are a good drummer and have a certain skill set, like you'll work. Was you there know? a period where drummers want might have been a bit nervous about the drum machine, or did it? I'm yeah, I'm sure that you know it's funny because. I don't know if you know, like Bernard Purdy's my godfather. So um, I've talked to him about this. You know what I mean? And he, I mean, you know, Purdy. Um, How is he your godfather? Oh, man, this story is crazy. So my dad's a drummer. You know, my dad used to play with James Brown and Al Green some when he was in college and stuff um, from South Carolina. Purdy came through there to do a workshop, something heard my dad. It was like, man, when you graduate, you should come, you know, work with me in New York, blah, blah, blah. So he and my mother went to this college. They graduated. They went to New York. They lived with Purdy and his wife for like the first two years they were up there. At the time, Purdy had a school that was like before Drummers Collective, or the music, you know, the collective now. He had a school like that where he would teach and had a bunch of people um, take lessons. And my dad ended up being the head of faculty there for him. And Garibaldi was there. Um, from Tower Powder, and he's a great friend of mine now. You know, I've known these guys since I was little. Jack DeJanette used to teach there. Um, the guy who started Drummers Collective named Paul Siegel was a student of my father's. You know, so Purdy, he was like a mentor. So when I was born, they my parents chose him to be my godparent. And yeah, that, <laughs> that and he's was he's still it. strong now, isn't he's he? He's still strong. He lives like 10. I mean, he plays amazing now. Like he's still strong. Has just had a, has a book out that just came out about his life and... He's done more. He's done. He's done more sessions than I think anybody, right? I mean, he he said, you know, he says he's the world's most recorded drummer. So, so you had no choice. You couldn't get away from music. I couldn't. No, because both of my parents. My dad was a drummer, working with him, and then he went into education as a music teacher. Um, and then my mom was a music teacher too. So, you know, between playing at church and they were at performing arts schools and all of that stuff, it was not really. It wasn't forced on me, but. It was. I just wanted to do it because that's. It was the family. What what we what they did, you know.
how old are you? I just turned 40. Yeah, I'm old. Wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's I old for I, jazz. I, I, well, no, I was thinking you were late 20s. It's weird. Yeah, right. Oh, okay, that gives me, it makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in a way. Um, but I'm just thinking, because if you're a really great jazz drummer or just a great drummer and mm-hmm. you've been through the schools and there's all this scene and, and a community, how easy is it for you to... Um, get sidetracked and end up touring with R&B bands and pop groups and not being able to continue your art as a jazz drummer it, I mean it's kind of easy because economically you know sometimes those opportunities present themselves and, and, and if you're doing the little $30 gig plus tips or whatever you know what I mean in the city if that's what you're doing all the time then it's hard to turn those things down especially you know, I had kids early, so I had. A, by the time I was trying to do this, I had a daughter and another on the way. And um, you know, luckily for me, it was a blessing. I met Joe, and then from there, it was like a. He was like the springboard. All the other stuff launched off from. Um, but I know so many people that have gone that way and and gotten on the big gig and kind of you get comfortable in those. So it's hard to get out of it and get back to doing what you kind of love to do in a way. Not saying you don't love that because you love playing, but. A lot of times it's not the music you necessarily want to play all the time or whatever, you know, and you just have to, when the opportunity presents itself, you have to take it. So, um, it have takes. You done, have you done any? Have you done any? I, I mean, not really. I haven't had to. You know, I know a lot of people and I have done some like studio work with people and not really tours. And I don't know if I would because. I don't want to go on tour as much as they tour. Like a year-long tour, I just, I can't, I can't do it. Like I had one of my good friends plays with Usher, and they're gone all the time. All the time. And, you know, I don't, being the kind of family man I want to be, I don't know if I could be gone for a year and a half. How, how many days are you gone at the moment? I mean, now, I mean, at the height of what I was doing, it was like six, eight months cumulative out of the year, yeah. you know. And now... You know, six, seven, you know, but I try not to do more than a month at a time. Why wasn't there an Otis Brown the third gig in London? That's a good question. I mean, hopefully that'll happen now. Because the record, you know, it just came out in the fall. I feel like the tours are just happening now. Who's going to sing? um, There's a couple. You bringing Um, Bilal over? Well, I'm trying on some shows. He'll be there. Um, But a singer named Jean Baylor has been singing with me a lot. Who's, you know, she has her own projects and was in a famous group for a while um Jeanne back in the day and uh oh yeah I remember yeah. oh yo she's but which now, one was she she's the like the I, I hate <laughs> to describe her this way I'm sorry Jean but uh another one yeah she's a shorter one yeah I'll say it that way but uh she sounds amazing she's an amazing singer her and her husband have a group called the Baylor Project I don't know if you know Marcus Baylor another drummer that was at the new school with us who played with the Yellow Jackets and Kenny Garrett and so she's been singing a lot a young singer named Christy DeShiel who's um been working with everybody who you're going to hear about really soon uh she's on she's been working with marcus strickland and is on this new compilation um from revive that's coming out and she's amazing and then you know some shows i'll have gretchen and Bilal at you know when we have special guests so yeah. gretchen paletto she's great yeah she's amazing right. i have yeah i gotta say we're putting together a video from the album release party that we did at bb kings and there's some really special moments with uh Everybody was there. Robert played. Bilal was there. Gretchen sang. So, how famous is Robert Glasper becoming in in America? It's so funny to me, man. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, we joke about it. Like, I'm like, dude, are you really like? Did you really just win another Grammy? Or like, I t- sent him texts and like, are you serious? But no, he's he's you know he's a star and deservedly so. He's you know he's an amazing musician, and um, 
you know, there's all the critics and the haters or whatever. You know, whatever. he deserves everything he gets. So. I think any movement needs people who, of course, have got the talent, right? But have got the vision. Yeah. And I think whether that's a quest love for the roots exactly. and what he's done, or whether it's on like Robert Glasper, it's so important that these guys they're going around communicating the energy of a scene, and that goes around the world and it right. helps everyone. Right. I mean, no matter what you say, like whatever world you're connected to when you have those people it, it benefits everybody you know what i mean and I, I experiment or not or his trio stuff or whatever i don't know where my record would be without robert and if i would have gotten signed without my relationship with him or you know it all spins off and helps everybody um actually you're 40 um and i was just looking um today at the fact that last month or just actually a couple of weeks ago um 25 years ago um, an album came out which was the debut album by a tribe called Quest. Mm. Um, and uh, do you remember what you were doing um, when that came out? Wow. Do you remember where you were when you heard um, Benita Applebaum for the I first do, time? Man. It was. I went to a Catholic school for high school and I had a friend that would ride. We had, had the cassette tapes. Like we would play that whole native tribes crew and De La and tribe and all that stuff it was huge man when we were coming what out. was your favorite group the black sheep jungle brothers um tribe called quest or de la soul man native tongues i was huge on black sheep i was i was a huge black sheep fan you know but i love tribe too and de la de la it was like between de la and black sheep i got in i love tribe and I love them more now than I probably did when I was young. Not saying I didn't like it. I like that whole crew. My wife was a huge Jungle Brothers fan. Um, but Black Sheep, we used to play that every day, like on the way, every morning on the way to school. Try catting sheep. What's the other <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. That's right. Now, jazz and hip-hop combination, difficult combination, doesn't always work. Right. A lot of the time it didn't work. But sort of Gary Crosby, no, um, sorry, um... Steve Coleman, mm -hmm. he, he 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 was good. I thought, right. and, and I thought Guru stuff was decent too. The jazz with yeah. the first one, I yeah, yeah which is Donald really Bird. what Robert Glasper's kind of done in exactly. a way, right? Exactly. The Roots, they were combining it quite well. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, any other combinations that you think were those combinations you mentioned were probably the best ones that I remember. Um, I, Donald Bird was huge for me. He was like a mentor of mine when I was in school before I came to New York. Um, he was you, kind of the reason I went to the new school. Tell me a story about Donald Byrne. Man. Love him. Yeah, he was... We used to... Professor Donald Byrne. Professor, yeah, Professor <laughs> Donald Byrne. Uh, I went to school in Delaware before I went to the new school. That's why I'm a couple years older than Glasper and all of those guys. And um, he became an artist in residence where I was, you know, my last year, last two years there. And we used to be in his office till like three in the morning, him playing tapes. He would be playing like cassette tapes he recorded of Train and Elvin. He was amazing, man. Knew a lot of music and was a super smart businessman, you know, really on top of his business stuff. And What's the best track? What should we play by Donald Byrd now? Let's play a track. Play oh, it. man. Let's, uh, my, one of my favorite Donald Byrd records is called Bird in Hand. And um, you can play anything off of that. There's a... Um, uh, Witchcraft from Bird in Hand. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite tracks.
Now, we're talking to Otis Brown III, um, great album last year, um, great singers, quite an open record. It was, how would you describe your jazz? Were you thinking about getting radio play on it or did any, was it just your... It was just my, yeah, yeah. me trying to tell a complete story of stuff that I love that's influenced me, you know what I mean? Like even the Shania cover we do with Gretchen, um, there's a story behind that and it was, you know, it ended up being one of my favorite songs on the album, but it was a song my wife and I loved and I had been doing some touring with Gretchen at the time and uh, she knew I was doing a record and... She was like, oh, I want to be on it. And I was just like, okay, yeah. I never, I don't like asking people like that to be, you know, even though I work with them, you know, if they want to do it, great. Like, you know, I was in Esperanza's band for a long time and uh, we actually did a track on the album that didn't make it. That, um, Why that, not? Uh, just some behind the scenes kind of stuff didn't really go as fit in deadlines. I'm thinking about doing something else with it, but. Um, I wasn't really thinking about radio play. You know, I knew there would be stuff on there that would be playable, but who would play it though in America? Is, is there I don't a, know. That's a, that's another radio thing. stations that play jazz just play smooth jazz, right? It's and, just, uh, well, no, there's like BWBGO and Newark. You know, they play jazz, jazz, but even they don't play because the like safe still the one for example the cover we did of Shania it's not jazzy enough and then for the smooth jazz stations it's not smooth jazz enough you know um crazily enough I wrote a ballad for my wife that I didn't think would get and that's been getting played a bunch you know but yeah the record was just me telling my story and trying to not ignore any of the influences I had I just wrote stuff that kind of came from places that I lived and 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 put that on the record and try to do it in a way that all tied together, you know. So and uh, where's volume two taking us? Man, it's are you working on that? Yeah, I am. I so you made this record before you'd done a deal. So you just made the record yourself. You I, had, I had been playing with it. a lot of people. It sounds really good. Yeah. Oh, we record. We did a like we recorded it for real. We recorded to see her sound, and you know, I did a Kickstarter initially and raised a bunch of money. People were on a very supportive. Um, and, you know, I had been playing with a lot of people and had been floating around in my head and, you know, I had talked to Derek about it, who produced it. And he was just like, man, it's, it's time for you to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you have this stuff in your head, like just do it and everything will fall into place. And it, it fell into place, you know, more amazingly than I ever thought it would. But So the next record, they're going to finance that it's one? Gonna, yes, it's revive Blue Note record. I hope to record that later, you know, in the fall, October, November this Any year. Any ideas so far? Yeah, it's coming together now. I mean, a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of social stuff going on right now. So, as an artist, you know, it's hard to. Well, I don't, and I don't try to ignore how that stuff influences the art you make. You know, so for me, it, it, vocals. Yeah, definitely vocals. I think Gene's going to sing on it. Hope you know, hopefully, um, probably not as vocal heavy as this one. You know what I mean? But there will be vocals on it for sure. I feel like there's always going to be vocals, you know, on an album of mine because I love playing with singers, and I'm a drummer, and I get tired of drums, hearing drums, so. You know, I want people to want to hear or want to listen to my music when they don't want to hear a drum solo. You know what I mean? Like when you hear the still the one, you wouldn't I don't think you would know it's a drummer's song. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't think, oh, this is a drummer's record. Yeah, I just I just want to make good music. And to me, a lot of that has singers on it. So there's going to be vocals on a lot of stuff I do.
you've been in the studio um, doing some stuff on this Miles Davis film. Right. 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 Tell us a little bit about that. I it's been to... amazing. I did like one of the sessions and a lot of the writing sessions. You know, Robert and was working with Don Cheadle on this movie. And um, yeah, Robert did the music for it. The music I've heard is incredible. Um, is it done? The whole thing done? I think everything's done right. now. Yeah, I think it's me. I know. Yeah, I think everything's done. I think Don Cheadle was a perfect choice. Oh, man. To play him. He's such a good guy. And Don is an amazing musician. He knows right. a lot about music. Right. And he's, he's very involved in, in, in those sessions. And. Um, the way he and Robert worked together was really amazing to see. You know, there's a saxophone player named Javon Jackson, um, and Don Cheadle and he were like in all state bands together. And you know, he was like, he knows. He said if he wasn't acting, he'd be a musician. All right. Yeah. So um, it's it's gonna be great to see. I can't wait to see. You know, what made it in the film and what didn't, and just seeing that process is really interesting. You so know? I hope it's gonna be the best jazz film since. I don't think there's been a better one since. Since Whiplash. Round, no, I'm just no, kidding. <laughs> since Round Midnight, the Dexter Gordon yeah, that one. The, that's been the standard for for a yeah. while. You know, nothing's come close to that. It's Tevanya and uh, yeah, and that was Dexter Gordon, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Tr- yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, Herbie did well. the music for that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, very, very. I've gotten to play. I played with Herbie a few times, quite a few times. Have yeah. you? Yeah, it's amazing. That's the Donald Burr connection too, because Donald Burr was a mentor to him. I have to tell you the story. So we, I met him at a jazz camp, and he was there. You know, people will come in for a couple of days and do clinics and workshops. So Rosemary Clooney came, Ray Brown came, Ray Barretto was there that year, and then Herbie came, and the band was Herbie, Louis Nash, Joe Lovano, and John Patitucci. And it was so amazing, you know. But I met Herbie there, and Donald Byrd had told him, like, oh, one of my students is going to be there, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I've kept in touch with Herbie, and that was 99. You know, I've gotten to play with him over the years. And Is he the greatest you know, living jazz man? I feel like him and Wayne Shorter, you know, I got to throw Roy Haynes in there, too, yeah. you know. But, um, but just in terms of... Well, he's done it all. He's done it all, man. And, like, the face of... He did, and he did Rocket. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the face of... It's, it's, I think we're fortunate to have him as the face of jazz. You know what I mean? And the way... He speaks and presents himself and is one of the best musicians ever, you know, on any instrument. Um, and it's so down to earth, still reaching for stuff. When you hang with him, he's still checking out this music or who's this guy? Or, you know what I mean? He's just still searching. And it's such an inspiration to see, you know, and and the connections he has working with Stevie and doing like stuff like Rocket and the Headhunters and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he's credible in all those areas. So. You know, to have him as this face of me and the the Joni, the record he won the Grammy for. Johnny you know, Mitchell, like just, yeah. yeah, he's is he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped, and hasn't it's, stopped. it's inspiring to see. I know? did an interview with him once. I managed to get an hour with him, and I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? <laughs> and I literally got every single record um, that he'd ever recorded. So right? I literally bought like, that that he that he was uh, leader on, and so. And so I thought that's the best way to do the interview because I'll just give him the record and then all the memories will come back right. when he sees the record. And it kind of worked really well. But we only got to 1965. Wow. And uh, and then it was like time, time's up. And I've been waiting ever since to, <laughs> to do, go to do the rest. <laughs> Start backwards. you got to go backwards this yeah. time. Yeah. But I got the good ones. I, got, yeah, I, those I, are I can't wait to. Imperial Isles and some of those, you know, all of those when you first got signed disco, up. I want to the disco period though. The disco period. Oh, yeah. Really. There's some interesting stuff in there. It's really good stuff. And you know what he told me, man? I'm, and this is in his book too. But I knew it for a long time. He told me Donald Byrd kept him from giving his publishing to Blue Note. He was like, no matter what, don't give them your publishing. He's like, even if you're going to have to get up and walk out, 
don't he says sure enough you know he he, he had to get up and be like oh sorry it's not gonna work and they're like okay okay but he we were talking he's like imagine if i had given them cantaloupe island or you know a watermelon man if they own the publishing on all of the stuff that and he's like and donald burr kind of saved me from doing that because at the time that's what all the artists were doing you were just your record deal and then you signed over your publishing and, and that was it uh, but the business savvy Donald Byrd I talked about kind of was you know ahead of the game in a lot of ways so yeah he was important <laughs> to a lot of people <laughs> I know Charles Tolliver he was over recently the trumpet and he was telling me that when he moved to New York he's I think Donald Byrd sort of mentored him a little bit okay. at the beginning in the mid early 60s or something and uh and he said they put him in, the, in an apartment near Slugs at the time, the club. And, uh, and he said the thing about Don Bird, he had a really nice car, and you knew that he was doing a bit better than the others. <laughs> <laughs> he was really into cars. Yeah, he got Herbie to buy a car that I think Herbie still has, like a um, what are they? It's a Cobra or something. One of those cars, yeah. and Herbie still has it. Like, and it's like worth a ton, like you know 400 grand right yeah, now or something I, like that I bet, I bet. Yeah. all those cars on those sleeves of the blue note records exactly those were those cast cars man <laughs> Donald Bird that record I talked about Bird in Hand he's leaning on like a poor or something it was his car so yeah <laughs> okay so we got a drummer with us um, you've got five albums five you know I know this is probably I, I know you're a drummer but you're a musician but right. I want to go drummers and I want you to talk about your five key hmm. drummers okay um, not in any particular order no though. order alright so I'll talk about Elvin first because Elvin was probably Elvin Jones was probably the biggest influence on me you know at a very important stage in my you know musical development i just connected to like his sound and the earthiness of his sound and it's funny the the ballad on my album that i wrote for my wife is i play mallets on the whole ball on the whole um track and it was from kind of a tribute to elvin too because i love the way he played mallets on the drums it's one of my favorite sounds and one of my wife's favorite sounds so that's why i played it on the track what are you gonna play um, which track should we play as an example <laughs> Either as a leader or... No, know. it would be something from Train's Ballads album. Um, maybe the All or Nothing at all. Yeah, it's one of my favorite tracks. That's one I listen to the album almost every day. <laughs> and, you know, Elvin plays some of the most tasty stuff that you ever hear him play on that, on that record. Thank you. 
What's more difficult to play as a drummer, um, up tempo or ballads? I feel ball- ballads by far. You know, it, you have to. It's easy to get to the chops and the technique and play fast and you know, but to play something where you have to convey emotion. And I feel like you have to have lived through some stuff and had your heart broken and you know been through some bad relationships to be able to play a ballad. <laughs> Um, from Elvin, so I guess I'll go back. So I'll go back to Max Roach, you know, who was huge for me in terms of creating like vocabulary on the drums, in terms of how you um, improvise or solo and melodic ideas on the drums, you know, uh, playing melodies on the toms and the snare drums or the cymbals, you know, he was huge. And it's amazingly, we just did a with Robert, his trio, and a singer named Sharonay Wade and a, a, a choreographer named Kyle Abraham. He did a work based around the Freedom Now suite that Max and Abby did. So I got to really get into a lot of those parts and play like drums, also waltzes and a lot of things. You know, and Max's family came to see it in New York and Max Roach is definitely a hero, you know, on that top five list. Um, what should play? Maybe the drums also waltzes. Let's do that. And if I keep going back, I would go back to like Papa Joe Jones. Um, and that same connect, you know, Max is an extension of him for sure. So I heard a lot of him playing with Ben Webster and a lot of people where, you know, he plays these amazing solos. And, you know, nowadays you, you can see video of them playing and just watching him play was like, you know, it's almost like Tai Chi in a way where it's so effortless and fluid. And, you know, some of those guys were just. I don't know. I feel like they got to a certain level, you know, like when you study with a martial artist or, you know, you get to like a sensei kind of thing. And they were definitely, 
you know, Bruce Lee probably got to a similar level. I feel like they tapped into something that, that's not easy to tap into, you know, that a lot of, that all of us are still trying to to get to the source of. I mean, you know, drummers are fundamentally fit though, right? You have you kind of have to be. You don't realize it, but you you kind of, you know, I think that why there's so much longevity in it, you know. Um, they live long. They do and play until the end, you know, if they want to. Like they, you know, I told you I went to Roy Haynes' 90th birthday thing at the Blue Note and he still sounds amazing and still getting around the drums. And yeah, I, I was in almost in tears at his 90th. So much love. Jack DeJanette was there. I was there with Antonio Sanchez, amazing drummer. Um, Pat Metheny played the whole night with him. It, it, it was just amazing. So. Um, Roy Haynes is definitely on that list. Um, you better throw a new one in. I know. I got to throw a contemporary <laughs> in, right? The newest I'm going to go is Tane. For all of us, me, Jeff Eric Watts. Harlan, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Tane Watts. Okay. For, you know, Eric Harlan, myself, Kendrick Scott. Like, he was the. He was the guy that went in band was huge. Mulgrew Miller, did he do? Mul- yeah, he yeah. was. He played with everybody, you know. But especially that went in band when went got became a superstar. Tane was the drummer, and you know we had no connection. Other Tony was still playing, of course, you know, but like somebody Tony Williams, Tony Williams right. was still playing, but somebody like like Tane with the flat top and looked like from the hip hop era was still cool enough, but was playing playing jazz. You know, for us that was he was the face of what we were trying to do and playing the drums that way. So all of us, you know, my generation are definitely extensions of him. You know what I mean? And and so I definitely have to put Tane in there as being very important for what I've tried to do in music, you know, and on drums especially. I'm doing a project at the moment in Cuba. I'm about to go back wow. there. I can't you... wait to go. I'm dying now to just opening up. I can't wait to go. Opening up, right? Yeah. And um, I'm quite fascinated by the sort of roots of rumba mm. and, you know, the journey from Africa. Right. And, and, and actually then the journey from rumba to America and Chano Pozo and Dizzy Gillespie right. and bringing that taste to jazz. Mm-hmm. How much has rumba got to do with music and the drummer? It's so crazy that you might because when I got to New York, like that's what I wanted to play Latin jazz. That was all I wanted to do. Like play, I was a huge Michelle Camilo fan and uh, Dave Valentin and all these cats that were you know huge at the time and still are. But um, it's hugely important, man. Like you, I, I think if you understand that, you understand especially the jazz. You understand the roots of. You know how these rhythms relate to everything and you have a better understanding of song forms i think and that was one of the big things that, to me about elvin's playing was that it was so tribal in a way you know and i, I it definitely connects back to that rumba tradition which connects back to africa you know so yeah that's funny you said that because that that was huge for me like I've, I've studied a lot of that stuff and um i'm sure you know it's helped me in some other intangible ways so Listen, it's been brilliant talking to you. I um, really enjoyed it. Oh, man. Thank you. Same here. It's an honor. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to the new album. Yeah, I can't. I'll, I'll have you, I'll, you know, you'll have this EP thing we're thinking about doing, too. We'll have some remixes. Kareem Riggins might do some stuff. And there's a couple of things that didn't make the album that we're going to. You're going to pass a couple of my yeah, way, right? I'm going to give them as soon as I get back to my room. I'll send it to you. Excellent. <laughs> Thought of you, thought of you, 
Sous-titrage